0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to Boardroom's Out of Office Podcast. We are coming to you live today from Catch Stake, NYC, and we have an incredible show. Different podcast today. We have two guests who have had incredibly big summers. We have an announcement to make, and we will be talking about the business of weed. So first, let me bring to you the guest to my right, my friend, my business partner, and three-time gold medalist, Mr. Kevin Durant. What's up? y'all seen me here before yeah that's right and to my left my new partner our new partner and the ceo of weed maps mr chris Beals. what's up chris hey great to be here um so first of all let me talk to you kevin um three olympic gold medals and you've had an illustrious 14-year career but where does this stand from just a moment in your life and the emotion around it had to be incredible
1: yeah it was a great experience um you know how I feel about playing for my country and being able to be around such great players on a day to day basis. That was the most important thing for me is learning from best coaches and best players in the league and you know, gaining chemistry and building bonds with those guys was the was the most important thing for me, and we happened to win the gold on top of it. So yeah, I had a great summer as far.
0: Yeah, I think all of us as like fans, at least someone who's watched the Olympics through the years, even as a fan, separating myself from the team and you. It was a real moment, I think. It really struck a chord again, and people needed that. Um, so congratulations Thank to you again. And congratulations to the guest to my left, Mr. Chris Beals. Um, first of all, obviously, congratulations to all of us on our upcoming announcement, I'll say, in a few minutes. But first to you on your uh, company going public this summer and just all the success you guys have had at Weedmaps.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was... Um it's been a crazy summer. A lot of people said that that we as a company couldn't go public cuz we do technology for for the weed industry, for cannabis and um yeah, just having it all come together, the team, everyone there. I mean, it's it's been years in the making and uh I think it represented, you know, a big leap forward for the industry, like kind of coming onto the big stage. So, it's been amazing.
0: Yeah, similar to what I asked Kevin, like in terms of your career and and for your company going public, is there's this kind of moment where you're you're excited, obviously, of getting there, but then you realize this new added pressure and kind of responsibility you have to a whole different slew of people. Um, it must be a kind of really like just wild time for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like, um, you know, you go you go public, it happens, and then you realize, okay, well, this is a new chapter. You just got to keep, now you have to deliver. You have quarterly results you have to deliver. You, you have, you know, I feel responsible for all of the employees and as we grow. And, and yeah, it's sort of, you breathe for one second and then it's like on to the next thing. I mean, on some level it's like, you know, you enter, you end one season and like, you know, you've got another season and the one that happens after.
0: Yeah. And well, by the way, right afterwards, another congratulations to you signing your uh, extension to stay in Brooklyn, which uh, obviously we're all very excited about, but, uh, yeah, you know, you go right into the next stage of your career, the business with the NBA. So, and then, you know, six weeks you're back at camp, but, uh, Mazel tov brother. Thank you brother. (laughs) Appreciate that. So let me get to the announcement guys that we're here today to make and congratulations to all of us. 35 Ventures, Boardroom, Kevin Durant, myself and our entire organization partnering with Weed Maps to do amongst many things normalize the conversation around cannabis, storytell and with Boardroom. So we'll be telling incredible stories about athletes, the benefits of cannabis and the relationship with cannabis and sports and wellness. So uh, first of all, this deal has been about six months in the making, and you know when we first heard about it, I think for Kevin and I, there was this moment where we had to speak and make a decision because this is a unique deal in that Kevin, being the owner of Boardroom and 35 Ventures, is standing in front of this conversation. So we instantly were excited about it, but we had to check in with one another and make that decision. Um, from your standpoint, partnering with Kevin and I, what, what are you actively really thinking we can do. And what are you hoping to get out of this partnership?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 to me, it's sort of an insane combination because I think just the dominance that you have from the sporting side, but then the fact with what you've built with 35 ventures, what you're doing on, on the, just, I think elevated discussion around business, it's intersection with sports, it's intersection with culture, with music, that sort of thing. I see a lot of parallels to, to cannabis and where it is. And we're at this I'll be honest, just insane inflection point where the cannabis industry can go on a, a path where it, it, it's creating opportunity for a lot of people. It's giving back to the communities that frankly got screwed over as a result of the war on drugs. And so, you know, being able to partner and tell stories, there's so many kind of OGs and, and folks who have come through and clawed their way to get to this point where we are now. And I mean, I couldn't think of a better partnership to kind of help shed light on that.
0: Yeah.
1: And Kevin, who are you thinking? <laughs> well, we talked about this, wanted to get into this space, um, like you said, a few months back. And to actually see it come full circle now in this conversation around cannabis, we always had every day, <laughs> um, it, you know, just as friends. And for us to, you know, actually try to tell stories around it and and seeing how we can, you know, uh, parallel the sports world. Is, uh, it's been incredible just to work through the deal, but now to have it. Signed, sealed. It's exciting. Yeah, and I think like what you said about the business around it, and you know, I think that's what's
0: so exciting for us is you know we have been involved in it from an investor standpoint. Um, you know, we've told a lot of stories and covered the business of it with boardroom and just having your guys' support and furthering that conversation. I do think that telling the business of it and telling the effects that it's having on people that haven't had opportunities that have been marginalized is important in helping. Kind of normalize this conversation and destigmatize it a bit. Um, but the stigma is still there. I mean, where would you say, you know, first, Chris, let me ask you, where would you say, you know, in society overall, from your guys' vantage point, as well as maybe government wise, the stigma of weed is today? Because it feels like there's two stigmas, right? And in society, I feel like the band aid's been ripped off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. Well first of all I think the thing that's that's interesting is look we've all been brainwashed and indoctrinated. I grew up in in Pennsylvania, I went through the dare education, I got the shirts, you know, the health teachers are talking to you like, you know, it's your brain on drugs, all this other stuff. And everything we think about cannabis, you know, it, it, that it's no good, that it's bad for you, it doesn't have medicinal benefit. You know, I mean the US has spent 50 over 50 billion dollars on the war on drugs and just say no to drill it into our heads. And I think for the first time people are waking up and looking around and saying, well, wait a second like Maybe this isn't you know. Maybe this isn't the way it is, and so um, you know. I think society is getting there. People are waking up and realizing. Like you walk down the streets in New York City here, and like you know, if you're if you're smoking a joint, like nobody cares. Nobody's looking at you weird. Whereas it wasn't that way. Like even five years ago, you know, here in New York, and uh, yeah. But on the government side, it, it's slow. You know, I st- I personally think we're ten years away from federal legalization. 10 years away? Maybe five. All right, five.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to help that. Yeah, we're going to
2: move it forward. But it's education because I think society leads politicians. Politicians don't aren't like the thought leaders. They follow what their constituents say. And if we can influence the constituents, so go yeah. the politicians.
0: And I think with education, Kevin, like we grew up, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but we grew up in the 90s. And when you watched films <laughs> in the 90s and you thought about like how people depicted cannabis, it was like, Dazed and confused and half baked, these like, you know, stoner dudes. And I think now, like you said, we've talked about it. I don't think people feel that way anymore. I think that, you know, we know people that are incredibly highly functional that, you know, use it every day. And the stigma from your perspective, I, I would imagine, is gone amongst your peers and amongst, you know, the
1: NBA. Most definitely. I mean, the stigma in society, I mean, it's like you said, the band aid's been ripped off. In the sports world, it was kind of a, it was kind of an undercover thing that players use cannabis and used it throughout, you know, while, while they're actively playing. And I always thought that was an interesting thing, even as I started to come into the league. Um, you hear the conversation more and more around the league about it. Um, and I thought it was always interesting that the rest of the world was a little slower to to be open about, about cannabis and its use. Um, but to see, you know, like you said, walking down the street, I live in San Francisco, you walk around the corner and four or five dispensaries right on, the, on the corner and athletes are still, you know, being tested four times a year for cannabis. And it's just, it just, it just felt like the, the world was starting to close in on, on how people felt about, um, the use of cannabis. And, and now, you know, it's, it's, it's just an open dialogue and it's been, it's been amazing to hear.
0: Now, we have to, guys, like, we have to tell the stories that I think are, in layman's terms, to the audience a bit to say, listen, like you said, you know, first of all, hip-hop's been doing this forever. Hip-hop did an incredible job, I think, of showing, like, the benefits, the business of it, and glamorizing it a bit differently than these movies of the 90s did. Um, and now sports can do the same thing and should do the same thing. And we, we will do the same thing via boardroom and Kevin. But, you know, the truth is, is, like you have to educate on how the you know cannabis in your life is not this right and that's the simple term for it what kind of pushback have you gotten you know just thinking about like how the audience and who you can speak to and sponsors is there still this kind of hands off thing from advertisers and you know people that still just don't understand that the stigma society has been ripped off yeah. I mean, it's
2: especially when you think about like big platforms, you think about well, when are we going to see a cannabis ad on the Super Bowl or, um, you know, we, we ran billboard ads in Canada and their hotlines got blown up with people being like, you know, how, you know, how dare you, you know, destroy our children's minds or whatever. We, we ran a billboard just out of fact. It was a, a clinical study. States that legalize cannabis have a 25% reduction in opioid deaths. Just a fact. It's New England Journal of Medicine. And we ran that billboard in Boston and in parts of South Boston where people have just been decimated by the opioid crisis. All these people started calling in and complaining and saying, well, you're targeting us because of, you know, because we have opioid issues. And it's like, wait, how has this become a cannabis billboard thing when you've got like the whole opioid crisis going on? And so yeah, I think, you know, it. it, it it's weird. It's, it's been tough because I think as much as we're seeing breakthrough in places, it's sort of like always two steps back. Mm-hmm. I always joke it's like one and 3 quarter steps backwards. Like, you know, it's, it's yeah. such an incremental change.
0: Well, you know, Al Harrington, shout out to Al Harrington, who we've also partnered with and invested in his business, Viola, is a player that has always stood in front of it and talked about it. But I do think that the platform of some of today's stars, um, because the leagues are – Turning the other way a bit, the leagues are being way more forward-thinking and pioneer in testing. The NFL has always been, you know, I think a bit more open in how they've tested and allow a bit more kind of of a turn the other cheek to it. But the the truth is, is athletes could probably stand in front of this and speed the conversation up. And in a lot of ways, then the leagues and other organizations would follow. And I think this deal will do a lot of that. Um, You know, for you in your career when you started at Weed Maps. How long ago was that, 2015?
2: Yeah, so the company's 13 years old, so 2008, and then I've been there since 2015. And when
0: you got there, what was kind of the state of the company and what was the vision of the company and how has it kind of changed over the last six years?
2: So when I joined, I think, you know, uh, the company was only about 65 folks. Um, I came aboard as actually an investment fund that was looking at an investment in the company. And then the co-founders basically said, you know, we like a lot of the ideas you're throwing out, that sort of thing, why don't you come aboard and help us build it and grow it and shape it? Um, in terms of where the industry was, I mean, California still hadn't legalized recreationally. Um, most people thought, you know, what Colorado, what California were doing with, with weed was frankly crazy. Um, it, it, you know, and 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 you still had Stuff like grows were, grows were being, that were state licensed, were being raided by the feds. Like I remember just down the road from us, there was like a big raid not that long after I joined. And so, uh, you know, and from there we've just scaled and
0: grown and you've seen legalization grow as well. And what are some of the kind of um, focus points for Weed Maps now, kind of going into this next stage and with this kind of change in the landscape of the business being a public company?
2: Yeah. I mean, so we've always had the largest marketplace for cannabis. And so we have all the businesses on there. We have brands, we have ways for consumers to find shop for cannabis with these businesses. But then on the flip side, and this is something that that I've invested, you know, a lot of my time and energy in over the last six years is, you know, a lot of these are small businesses and the regs around this, like this isn't like you know, alcohol or something that's, that's low complexity. I mean, I honestly think like cannabis in some places is regulated pretty close to plutonium or something like that. Sure. And so we make software to help these businesses. And, you know, I think some of the places making the best weed right now are these mom and pop places. And they don't have a whole team to, to build a, you know, you know, do compliance and all this. And so if we can build it into the software, if we can help them with um, keeping their real time inventory up for consumers, that's a big part of it. And so a lot of what we do is sort of just dealing with the complex reality that this is a heavily regulated space. And then on the flip side, we're of and from the cannabis community. And so helping how people shop for cannabis is not like how people shop for wine or whatever else it's, you know, what, what are the cannabinoids? What are the, the terpenes, you know, CBD, THC, all this stuff. How do we help like actual stoners find weed, you know, and that's sort of where we come in.
0: Mm
1: interesting (laughs) concept but i can see why
0: it works so is that like you know from the advancement in technology the kind of like micro strains right Mm -hmm. and how people are consuming it and learning about like the effect that each strain would have on somebody is that something from an education standpoint or from an an information standpoint overall an awareness that is helping like casual Consumers feel more like open about using, yeah. and because a lot of it, I think, with casual consumers, is like fear of, you know, that like bad trip or that like mm-hmm. paranoia you have, yeah. where everyone that has that experience says they had some wild thing happen yeah. to them when really they just were very high, right? Um, but I do think that like to really double down on the effect that it has on you, right, from a stress standpoint, or from a you know mental health standpoint, or from a physical standpoint. I think that would be helpful to know like hey this is a strain that can really help you sleep or this is a strain that helps you with anxiety i mean is that something that you see the business and how things are being consumed now going towards yeah i mean so think about
2: you know let's think about this like you go to doordash or grubhub or postmates and you order food and think about how much time you spent what are the reviews is the spaghetti good and all that but we all know what spaghetti is like fundamentally and i think the thing that's crazy with with cannabis is you're going to ingest this and it's going to make you have some it's going to have some sort of effect and so you really want to know what that is separately there's a wide range of like effects of how can cannabis affect you i mean that was you know, fresh cannabis can have this crazy wide range of effects. Like people think of cannabis and oh, I'm going to get sleepy and I'm going to have the munchies. I mean, there's cannabis you can smoke or, you know, vape or whatever, where like you can't sleep, your appetite's suppressed and you're up at three in the morning cleaning your silverware and wondering like what's going on, or you can be paranoid or, you know, whatever else. And so people want to understand that. But then if it's trying to sleep, there's all these new things coming out. It's not just THC and CBD anymore. There's CBN and THCA and THCV. It's confusing. You know, we're way past spaghetti now and it's like, Mm -hmm. how do you help people find and understand what to get? And the crazy thing is it's not just newbies. Like if you've been around, you've been smoking weed for a long time and you have someone at a dispensary saying like, Hey, try this can thing. It has THCV in it. and, And it's got some melatonin. It's great for sleeping. And you're like, Whoa, I was, You know, I was just looking for some flour, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I find often, like, over 90% of our consumers consume weekly. Most of them are just as confused as brand new people coming in. They haven't heard of most of this stuff.
0: For you, in, like, again, 14 years in the NBA, I'm sure 14 years ago, Like you said, you couldn't really talk about it, even though it existed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, I think we spoke to somebody, a player who had played like 10 years ago, and we asked them, like, how many percent of the league played back then. It was similar to what you've said about now. But what's been the testing policy throughout your career, exactly?
1: Well, we get three random tests. I mean, for everything that's on the banned substance list, but marijuana's on that list. But three random tests, sometimes four, in a period of six months. So, guys smoking weed was just out of the the picture. Yeah. Um, But, you know, in the summer times, and guys on their own free time outside of the NBA, I'm sure a lot of guys did it. But throughout the season, it was – you always had something over your back watching you. you Yeah. In those four tests, so it was tough. Four tests in an 82-game season is a lot. I mean, it obviously allows
0: nobody who needs it or – um has used it recreationally for reasons that were beneficial for them the opportunity to do so and then for the olympics obviously we know how public that became with shakari richardson but again you know and you've done that every few years with the nationals and the olympics and it's the same thing i assume right
1: yeah just random tests and everybody always asks why is marijuana still on us on the banned list um but you know, it's something that we still we still working through right now. I mean yeah. dialogue is, is definitely open now in the NBA amongst, you know, players, amongst executives, but for the most part it's still a stigma around it.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously the NBA stopped testing during pandemic and then they stopped testing yeah. this season.
1: What other leagues took marijuana up? I think the M L. B. Yeah. I think another the- league. Do you know where the MLB is on it? I think
2: the MLB it took cannabis off. The NFL, for a whole host of reasons, is is has moved towards that. Not the least of which is you know brain trauma and opioids and that sort of thing. Um, weirdly, I think hockey still tests
0: for it. You know, good old hockey holding holding the line. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know how much advocating for <laughs> hockey you're going to see out. But there. it's still but, around. It's, yeah, and it's we can do around. it. Yeah, we can do it. We and advocate I, for hockey. We'll be big in, in yeah. the NHL, man, guys. Yeah. I do And I
2: don't know about, like, MLS or, you know, any of the other leagues. But, yeah, yeah I think among the big one, I think at least three of them are now thinking, yeah. like, this is a little bit crazy. And I think
0: the NFL did it only right before training camp, you know, maybe again, like we I said. I think they give
1: one test maybe right mm-hmm. before the season starts. Yeah. Just one test a year. I'm not sure that's better than four or five yeah. randoms.
0: I couldn't think of a group of people that would – need to use cannabis more than an NFL player <laughs> no, no. in yeah. between the <laughs> six days in between their yeah. games.
2: I mean, I, I dip myself in, like, a vat of, like, THC
0: bomb <laughs> <laughs> just to deal with, like, the aches and pains I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, I think, like, there's – talk about, like, the medical benefits of it, right? And I think there's kind of two conversations. Like, is the medical benefit is something that doctors have for a long time – that's why there was, like, medical cards – have given real diagnosis – um, and then there's benefits to it, just like all of us recreationally find things that are beneficial, whether someone has a glass of wine, whether someone, you know, for whatever needs to exercises their stress release. So Chris, from a medical standpoint, what are kind of the known medical benefits of cannabis?
2: I mean, so, you know, I think it's, inter- uh, so sleep, uh, issues with sleep, pain relief, uh, anti-stress, anti-anxiety, um, You know, people have used it for uh, types of arthritis. Um, There's a whole host of issues. Actually, not to get too nerdy on it, but Harvard has a medical conference every year on cannabis. And, you know, there's studies on uh, cannabis that have shown really great results for cannabis with type 1 diabetes, cannabis with brain trauma. Basically, cannabis plays a big role in upregulating and downregulating our inflammatory system in the body. And so everything that goes along with that. Um, I mean, one thing that's crazy is after cannabis gets legalized in states, you see the prescription rates for like your ambience, your opioids, all that, the prescription rates drop like over 10%. And the crazy thing is, which I think the alcohol industry is maybe a little nervous about is, you know, like in Colorado after legalization, hard liquor sales dropped by like 10% too. I mean, so it's, it's both, it's the medicinal side and it's the stress relief side.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think also like, again, from a sports perspective, historically, you know, you've seen more problems ensue for athletes with alcohol becoming involved. And I think that's for everybody. Um, whereas, like, like you said, there's obvious benefits, um, especially as they get these strains more detailed, to some of the stress and anxiety that athletes go through using this as something that is somewhat of a crutch. Um, and I think we need to tell stories around this and we need to kind of bring to light these situations. So when you know, the next Olympics come around, people understand that, you know, for a Shakari Richardson, this was a coping relief to allow her to run. No one has ever said, do not use weed to sprint. It's like the opposite of sprinting is smoking weed, right? (laughs) So, you know, I think it's our, it's our job. I mean, how, how open do you think athletes are to maybe speaking about this now more? I mean, hopefully our deal will, will bring that to light a bit.
1: Yeah, I think more a- athletes are open to it. Um, and you just, it's, some still nervous about um, the stigma around the NBA and around athletes in general from society, and how they feel about you know the hip-hop culture and how it was glamorized back then. There's just a lot of stuff that's being thrown into the pot. That's got a lot of guys, you know, maybe wanting to not you know just not speak on it. But uh, the benefits of using cannabis throughout the season or you know, when you're in the off season, um, recovering from games, and you know, getting sleep because it's hard to sleep when you're traveling so much and you're on the road so much and playing full basketball games throughout a six month season. So, um, but you you hear about guys just you know using it for sleep and using it to kind of wind down out their game, sort of like wine. But um, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot for for athletes to want to come out and speak about their personal use of cannabis and how they feel about it in general. Uh, but I think, like I said, that that dialogue is is way more open than it used to be, especially yeah. when I first got into the league.
0: I think it's important. I mean, I think, you know, I think the truth is is you see with Boardroom, we tell all these stories and about what's going on with gambling in the world of sports and the relationships yeah. that the big gambling companies are having. Um, you see it with crypto, blockchain, all these emerging businesses and cannabis is one of those businesses, yeah. you know, and that's why we cover it so much. But, you know, it becomes an incredible opportunity for so many people um, to bring it to light and talk about it. There's a lot of money and a lot of opportunity. Well, one thing I mean, so like, I, I'd
2: be curious to get your thoughts on this, because like I think a lot of people watch like the NBA season and it comes to them through their TV and they're like, oh, well, here's people playing basketball. Here's people playing basketball and like. I mean, I'm at like, you know, the the grind between games, the travel, mm-hmm. like whatever. I mean, I assume that's like just insanely exhausting, right?
1: Yes, yeah, it is. You know, obviously, you get used to stuff um, over time. You you can figure it out, but it is is it's different than a normal job. I mean, the amount yeah. of times we on the, we get on a plane and land in the city in the middle of the, in the of the night is is pretty normal with us at this point. So you need a alternative you yeah. know outside of like you said the ambience and the pills to help you go to sleep sometimes and cannabis has been been definitely been a good alternative
2: yeah I mean because it, it, that's what I was getting to is like because you see players during the season and like they're getting the flu and all that that's sleep deprivation that's mm-hmm. that and like it's not normal for someone to like be on a red eye land somewhere kind of like try and sleep on a bus or something like and, and you know look I'll just speak personally like for can't, you know, um, for me, like if I, you know, if I, cause I've had a crazy travel schedule, I take some like t- low THC edibles and I'm out and I get like the deepest, best sleep. And I think it's the only thing I used to, you know, I was traveling back and forth when I first came to the company every other week and I was getting sick. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it felt like every other month or something. And, you know, it's just, it's stuff like that where it, you know, it's like, wow. would you rather be taking like Ambien? And, and that just it's not that's not normal sleep, you know, and yeah. that's it's stuff like that where it could really help. I mean,
0: is the reason why this isn't spoken about more or why some of these big business that own the licenses or own the big manufacturing um, don't talk about that more and don't spend more money advertising that? Because, I mean, that's as much like I hear about how much safer cannabis is for you more than taking a Valium or an Ambien or taking an opioid for pain. But you hear about it, you know, you hear it on a special, but you don't get the conversation and the commitment to educate people. because. A, it's happening, right? And people are doing this anyway. But B, it will only speed up the legalization. And I would think governments kind of need to really take a look at this from a federal level when people are speaking about it so publicly, because you can't stop the conversation.
2: Yeah. You know, the crazy, there's two funny things that strike me. One is um, I've noticed that like, it's weird. I've noticed the people who, who use cannabis, but then they're like very afraid to speak about it or some of the highest Performing people I've met, regardless of their domain. So I was at like a conference last week with like all these like CMO people and all this, and the people are like, hey, yo, I smoke weed, some of the most impressive people there. And then, and I, again, I don't mean to sound judgy, but some of the people are like, you know, Weed Maps, like, what do you mean weed? We're just, I mean, just kind of like the ho hum people there. And I have noticed that in other places where like a lot of like incredibly like talented people, but that gets to the second point, which is. Who's comfortable speaking about it? Like, I know all these people have been so deeply affected by cannabis, but people are afraid because you don't know who you're going to say that to and they're, you know, and you're going to get like that sideways look or whatever else. And like, I've met so many people who have had these insane stories about cannabis helping them or a family member, but then they're afraid to tell people.
0: I'm out of the closet, potheads. (laughs) (laughs) We're waiting (laughs) on you. We're waiting. So speaking of legalization, um, because there's a lot of like complexities to it, as I've learned. Because like you know, for some background, we invested in different ancillary businesses. We invested early on in our kind of fund in a farm in California, um, and then there's some brands affiliated with mm-hmm. the farm. But I've learned the business, right? There's the dispensaries, there's the distributors, the manufacturers. Some people have multi-state licenses, which are like the big tycoons. Some people have you know, singular state license, and there's all kinds of things I don't know, Mm -hmm. um, which I love to learn and we're trying to learn and we're trying to cover. And then there's the brand business, which I think is, you know, the biggest kind of open opportunity and blank slate, because when you think about it, you know, I think everybody has like maybe somebody that they get it from or somewhere that they buy it, but very little or few people really kind of like drive home how important a brand is to them. So I think that's a big part of it. But let's start with the legalization and just like where we're at in terms of how many states it's legalized in, what is upcoming. Um, and, you know, again, you said 10 years, I push you, you go back to five years, but what are the hurdles to getting it like legalized across the board?
2: Yeah, so I should, I should preface this by saying when, when, when I came to Weed Maps, we built out this government relations and policy team with a view of growing legalization, but more than that, making sure the shape and complexion of legalization was inclusive, was representative of like the communities and the people who are already doing cannabis. I mean, you have to keep in mind that there, you know, there've been people doing doing, and growing and profiting and, and being really successful in showing true art in cannabis for, you know, decades if not centuries. And so making sure that, that they could be part of it. And so, um, You know, right now you're at 36 states that have cannabis legalization. Um, And, you know, this was a crazy year because, you know, we had states legislatively move New York, uh, Connecticut, New Mexico, um, New Jersey, you know, legislatively moved. And so you had this wave of new states starting to to come forward and say, all right, we're going to have cannabis legalization move forward. On the flip side you had places like mississippi where the people bas- passed a ballot initiative and then the state was like you know basically used some legal maneuvering to invalidate that same thing yeah. in north dakota they passed medical and recreational and the governor tried to fight both of them and she ended up being able to successfully beat back even though the people approved it like 55 percent of the citizens voted yes on recreational legalization the governor overturned that. They left the medical end. But now they're slow rolling the rollout. And so you know, I think that's part of the reason that I was, I don't want to say doubtful, but but I think it's going to take more time because, uh, I mean, one of the most uncomfortable truces, if if you go back and look at a lot of the anti-drug stuff from the 80s and 90s, one of the biggest voices on that was Joe Biden. Joe Biden was maybe the leading Democratic voice for anti the anti-drug movement. And so you know, that's the tough thing that I think a lot of people aren't talking about.
0: I definitely did not know that. So when a state um, gets, I guess, legalized, Mm -hmm. like it just happened in New York, what is then the process to getting it to where you see dispensaries, retail dispensaries? And then also I know that people then lobby for the ability to grow, right? And Mm -hmm. distribute. So, you know, walk us through a little bit of that process, because I think it's something from a business standpoint that, you know, we intend on doing and Maryland where he grew up, big state, New York, where, you know, we are as a business. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that process.
2: Yeah. So generally, so every single state has its own regime and that's the really complicated thing. And a big part of the reason why we went so deep on our software stack is nothing is the same from place to place. So generally um, when a state opens up, they'll create a, a series of classes of licenses like retail or dispensaries. Um, Maybe they have a distributor license type. Sometimes they'll have a craft license type where you can have a little craft grow, you can have a little tasting room, that's a a newer thing. You'll have a cultivation license type. you usually have a manufacturing license type. That's either someone who's making concentrate like using a, a distillation unit um, or they're, they're making like edibles out of like clear THC distillate and so you'll have these series of, of license types And then the state will put rules around well who can own or how many licenses can you own? So like for instance in uh, New York they set aside 50% of the licenses for social equity applicants and then said you can't cross-own uh, so basically if you can have up to three retail shops, but you can't own any other license type and so every state has these different rules. Massachusetts had something similar where they put a cap on the number of licenses one person can open. But, you know, the other thing you asked about is, well, what's it look like? So, like, New York's open now, so what happens? Well, now they have to get, like, regulators. So they have a law. Now they need regulators to put in the framework for, like, how you apply, how you, uh, what the rules will be, what the testing limits are. And so that can take a bit. So usually we see about, I'd say a year to two years before from legal, from legalization to actual like stores you walk in and there's product also, you know, keep in mind this is a plan that comes out of the ground. So even once the cultivation space starts, you know, you're looking at four months before you're, you know, get frosty nugs that you're, you're trimming and, and putting out
0: frosty nugs mm-hmm. who, is there a brand that you know of either of you that likes, I mean, cause there are no brands to me that have really stood out. I mean, I know, uh kingpin i know loud pack um but like i don't necessarily see that there have become these like brand names is that not part of the process yet in terms of like the way things are distributed is it too hard for brands because they can't go state to state to state like that to really create one that stands out do either of you know of one i got i mean so i think what burner's
2: done with cookies and where cookies is across different states i would say that's I don't know. You yeah, know,
1: think. Of, I was gonna say cookies too. Yeah, like they've done a good job branding their stuff. Yeah, the last four or five years, but yeah.
2: I mean, they're even in Oklahoma now. They're in you know like places that are a little more um, off the beaten path, but you know they they feel like they have a presence in a bunch of places. I think what happened earlier on in the early stages, I won't name any names, but there would be like celebrities coming in, and they wouldn't, and they just find someone and say, "Hey, put your name on this. It's a licensing deal," and they a lot, some of the product quality wasn't there, some of the other stuff. And the other thing is keep in mind that every single state has different regs. Every single state has, you know, its own kind of regulatory thing. Like if you have something that works, you probably have to switch it up in another state. The testing regs are different, or maybe they, they don't allow indoor growing or they only allow mix like greenhouse or that sort of thing. So it's, there's a lot of things that make it hard, but there are, it feels like some guys are starting to break through and or gals and, and, and get interstate brands.
0: Yeah. Well, I just keep harping that because I do think that like, you know, whether we like it or not, some of that commercial aspect of it is going to go a long way in normalizing the conversation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do think like for us being able to talk about brands that are, you know, impactful in sports, impactful in wellness, just some of the ones that are doing the right things in business um, and giving opportunity. I think that's part of what our storytelling really should focus on because I think that again, you know, to normalize it, to destigmatize it, you got to let go of the fear for a lot yeah. of people.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something actually really crazy. So there, in a lot of places, um, there, there, there are brands or there are licensed operators who just have really terrible product. Like I think one of the dirty secrets is a lot of states that legalize that either don't have enough retailers or the product is really low quality most of the most cannabis is still bought on the illegal market. Like, you know, I'd estimate in like Illinois, probably 80% of cannabis is still on on outside of the legal market. But I've seen conversations where you have these big well-funded commercial folks and they say, "You know what? We got to get good cannabis." And then they'll go talk to one of these legacy like craft growers who can just, I mean, t- truly make like a fire product. And they'll talk to them and then that person will ask for what what feels like they're they're due. They'll say, look, I'm gonna need a couple hundred thousand dollars a year salary, I'm gonna need a couple points in the business. And then inevitably you hear these kind of like corporate folks kinda go, well, maybe our stuff's not that bad or or whatever. And it's like this unwillingness to like pay someone who has been doing this, you know, literally usually for decades. It, what you know like that is your core product like does Pepsi go to the guy who makes like the Pepsi formulation and be like you know what you're, you definitely look like a minimum wage guy like the, and, and somehow with cannabis this is part of the stigma just because the guy you know is deeply tanned from having worked outside on a hill they're like well I don't know if you're like a you know a six-figure and three points of equity type of guy and that's it's, it's weird stuff like that where you see the stigma perpetuating in the industry that's really kind of frustrating
0: um, so before we let you guys go, I want to let the consumer and the audience know exactly what Weed Maps is and really get a real visual on what the experience is. So can you kind of talk through what the destination is, mm-hmm. you know, what they can expect when they go there, both with this relationship and also with Weed Maps itself and also what the future holds for you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, so for, for consumers, I mean, we are the place to go to find where to get and buy cannabis. Um, so you, if you have the iOS app, they just let us put ordering in there. You can go to the app, you can go to weedmaps.com and you can find dispensaries. Uh, we, we invest heavily in deals, discounts, making sure you can find the cheapest stuff. Uh, we do brand catalogs. So you actually learn about there's consumer reviews and brand information. How's this going to affect me? What's the smell? What's the taste, especially if you're going to order online. But then order ahead, delivery in states where delivery is legal. Uh, we have a whole learn section where if you're you're kind of like new to this, you can understand, well, what what's a tincture, what's a topical, you know, how how many milligrams, you know, I'm a beginner, should I take 10 milligrams? No, probably not, like two or five, unless you want to have a weird night. Um, so we're, um, <laughs> we, um, yeah, so we are the destination for consumers to go and we have the most comprehensive uh, set of listings for businesses and essentially every state. And also every country where it's legal. So we're in Canada. We're international as well. And then for businesses, um, you know, we're basically a one-stop shop for them to, if they want to run e-commerce on their website, we integrate with their point of sale system, do ordering, um, you know, delivery logistics. A lot of states require you to track your drivers. We provide that software. So a bunch of really technical stuff for the businesses. But for the consumers, if you want to find the best, cheapest weed and know that you're seeing all the shops that have it and what is actually in stock at this time. I mean, we're basically where you go.
0: Amazing. And there'll be a a landing page on the site, a sports and wellness landing page that will kind of incorporate a lot of content and storytelling and editorial that boardroom and weed maps will create together. And we'll be doing a lot of that on boardroom.tv, of course. And we're going to create an incredible series. I think next year where we're going to really get into it with some athletes and some people that are really important in the business and um you know just really excited to have you on kevin thank you so much i know end of the season tokyo you fly in for this announcement and this partnership so i appreciate it um and uh thank you guys for listening another boardroom out of office subscribe download and stay tuned for a lot from the three of us thanks guys